You're listening to the Shop Sounds Podcast, a woodworking podcast about nothing. Follow along as the bearded, flannelized, and flat-brim hat-wearing Jason Hibbs of Bourbon Moth Woodworking and Keith Johnson, the seltzer-guzzling, shop-cat-loving, lanky Scandinavian, better known as KJ Sawdust, discuss day-to-day life in their woodshops and the dumb mistakes they make along the way. You can also find them on all the major social media platforms that you frequent. Bottom line, they're out there, baby, and they're loving every minute of it. All right, folks, let's start the insanity. Despite the fact that I lose control when I drop my Frankfurter on the ground, and Jason has made a long journey from Milan to Minsk, this podcast continues to be sponsored by a Rochelle Rochelle journey. Damn it! Start over. (laughs) What happened? Did I mess it up? My shoe's untied. What? Remember her shoe gets untied when she starts singing at the end? Start over. Oh, I was like, are you asking to start over? Did I ruin it? I want to go on record that this is the most professional operation I've ever been. Oh, perfect. Hey, Jonathan, Jonathan, people don't know you're a guest yet. Don't talk yet. Mute him, will you? Okay. Uh, Well, by the way, I think understudies are a shifty bunch. They are the substitute teachers of the theater world. Now, when bits and bits aren't ramming into Bette Midler at home plate, they are hot. They are hard at work making bits for routers in the CNC right here in the US of A, where the best way to get somewhere you've never been is to not know where you're going. Now, after Bits and Bits makes them bits and they lather them up with their proprietary Broadway coating, which is proven through extensive laboratory tests to give their bits higher speeds and feed rates and extend the life of them by up to three times. Bits and Bits are also constantly coming out with new bits and expanding their tool menu. So go check out their new tools page on bitsbits.com and hashtag getbitbaby. And don't forget, they also take the Great American Whiteside router bits and astrocoat them so they can be fully optimized in your routers and other motor-driven things that go in circles at high rates of speed, like Italian ice machines. And finally, Bits and Bits Tutti Frutti is also an authorized Festool dealer. And we have it on good authority. They have a healthy supply of Festool products and accessories from Sanders, Domino's, Dust Extractors, Pineapple Italian Ice, Track Saws, Abrasives, etc. Exoskeleton? Not yet. And be sure to go check out all of Bits and Bits' offerings at bitsbits.com and use coupon code MORSELS15 to save 15% off your next order of router and or CNC bits because every time you use that coupon code, my morsels can feel the wind beneath their wings. Wow, that's horrible. I can't sing. Yeah, you cannot sing. Shut up. Hey, I could tell you that if you're looking for affordable, high-quality woodworking tools that you should check out, Cat's Moses Tools, I could tell you that it's a small business proudly run by woodworkers for woodworkers. I could even tell you that they believe in people over profits. But guess what? I'm not going to tell you any of that garbage because we have the owner of the company with us as a guest on this podcast, none other than the boy, the man, my personal friend, at least I'm he's my friend. I don't know if I'm his friend. It could not go both ways. Anyways, he's a guest on the podcast. Jonathan, welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you. And yes, you are my friend. <laughs> oh, good. 
hey, do you want to uh, do a little ad read for yourself? What do, what do you want the people to know? What do you got going on? What's big right now in the KM Tools world? We just released a new chisel mallet on Sunday and announced giving away a million dollars through my foundation, the Cats Moses Woodworkers with Disabilities Fund. Um, this mallet is unbelievable. First one on the market that has, it's a brass mallet, one and a half pounds, a little over, tiny, fits in your hand, mm -hmm. so it's perfect for whacking your chisel or whatever you, the youngins are calling it these days. Um, but also has removable faces, so you can put a non-marking plastic face on it, uh, which is very cool. And I think just real important that people know everything on my website, I use in my shop, test it, we beat the out of it, don't worry, Keith, you don't have to bleed me. Um, and it's all real high quality stuff at a fair price. We didn't raise our prices over the last two years during the pandemic. We really try and keep things affordable and very high quality. So so uh, if somebody wanted to purchase your tools, where do they go? And over to kmtools.com. Mm, nice. And I will say, I have one of these new mallets and I love it. And one and a half pounds does not sound that heavy when you just hear like one and a half pounds. You're like, I could lift that in the gym, no problem. But in a mallet, it is probably the heaviest mallet of its size I've ever grasped. I will say that. It's and also massive. it's smaller, like it's on a smaller side, which I like because it makes my hands look ginormous. Hmm. <laughs> I was spit coffee all over my laptop then. I think we've talked about that before. That's why I married my wife. She's got very small hands. Uh-huh. Now, you said interchangeable faces, and every time you, uh, I thought of that, I keep thinking, uh, can I get a Nicolas Cage face on there? I'm thinking of the movie Face Off, where on Travolta on one side and Nicolas Cage on the other. Man, that thing is beautiful. It's like a, that is like a, um, let's just say a Judge Judy mallet upgrade. Like that is, yeah. it's like a yeah. solid gold. What's amazing of it, amazing about it, is <laughs> this piece that connects the head to the handle is like anybody who's ever machined anything. This thing is like ridiculously hard to make, uh, and it's all hand polished. So um, the guy sits there and like polishes it on a polishing wheel. It's beautiful, and this thing is like so shiny. The center is plated, so it's not going to patina over time, and then the heads will patina. So it's going to have a really cool look after a while. Where you'll get that sort of like aged brass look that all yeah. brass tools have. Unlacquered um, brass is very popular right now. Right. Yeah. It's, it's super. It's very bougie. So almost something you'd find a rejuvenation. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. And Jason, you're right. This thing's like, I mean, it feels like a murder weapon. It's so heavy. Like, yeah. You could, you could. How do you think that body wound up across the street from my house? <laughs> well, I love that story. <laughs> That's a good feel-good story. But uh, before we move on, I just want to say we're super thankful to have KM Tools as a sponsor. Jonathan is a great friend, both of the podcast and me and Keith's, and we stand behind his stuff. Awesome stuff. So if you haven't done so already, go over to kmtools.com, check it out. It's worth a peruse over there, and you'll find some sweet stuff. Um, right? We added Jonathan, a bunch of before, stuff. You added more stuff. In fact, I just clicked launch on a bunch of hand-forged tools that we just brought in. They're really nice. Draw knives, some ads, some hatchets. They're beautiful hand-forged stuff. Really nice. Mm. Everyone needs a good hatchet when they're breaking down plywood. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's how I do my best finish work. Mm -hmm. Now, before we get into the nitty-gritty here, there, Jonathan, there has been a bit of controversy swirling, swirling around you recently. Um, I was... I was picking up whispers and little rumors about you and every little gaggle of people at WorkbenchCon this past weekend. So I'm just going to cut to the chase. 
the people want to know, and I'm going to ask you straight up, what kind of gel do you use in your hair? Because mm-hmm. I have such a perfect quaff as that all the time. Do you wake up like that? Uh, you know, it's tough to be this good looking, Keith. I, it's a lot of work. So I use uh, Harry's uh, Paste Wax. It's like is that a I make sure paste wax. Yeah, my hair is like almost dry, but just a tad damp. Like uh, mm. I know because I touched it once and I got slapped for touching his hair. He slapped my hand away <laughs> and said, "Nobody touches my hair." You're not going to believe this, but that is actually helpful information because I've been looking for new gel. <laughs> um, can you're not going to believe this, but that doesn't help me at all. Oh well. In your beard, oh, you want that soft yet beard. manageable yet approachable. Yeah. yeah. Hey, before we get too far down right. the road, there's a few people I wanted to thank real quick, and then we'll just dive in and talk what you know about whatever we want. We got some new patrons that signed up for our Patreon. If you're not signed up over there, you go to Patreon.com/slash/ShopSoundsPodcast. You sign up, that'll give you access to our after show. You can ask us questions, and if you're a top tier, you can watch this podcast with your eyeballs because you get the YouTube link. Anyways, our new patrons are. Andy Barnett. Sounds like a good stand-up guy. Jonathan Steyer? Steer? Or Steer, yeah. Yeah, sure. Joey Irish. Um, hmm. Wasn't an Irish accent, but that's how he sounds, probably. And then we got um, Kevin Weiser. He's wiser than most. Scott Swick. That's a fun name to say. Uh, Joe Cobb. Rob. Is he the maestro? Joe it was Cobb. Bob Cobb. Bob Cobb. Cobb. It was the mighty yeah, yeah, yeah. The other guy, uh, we got Rob Hoglund. I think that's how you say that. Sean Coleman, Brian Blank. He didn't leave his last name blank. That's his yep. last name, his blank. Underline. Yeah. Brian Blank. Uh, Alec. At that's my buddy, Alec. Alec Woodco. Woodco. Right here in Jersey. And you know a lot of people in Jersey. I then we got uh, many of us. Steve... Ladarola. I think that's an I, my man, not an L. Is that? No. I Darola. I had a Rola. I had a Camry. I don't know. Uh, and then we got Chris Price, Edwin Mancini, and Sean McGrew. That's fun. Hi. And then we have one new top tier patron that's kevin daniels at red mill custom woodworking huge thanks to all you guys and of course we got a bunch of other returning top tier patrons we'll shout you out towards the end of the show and that concludes our business right back to jonathan's glorious hair (laughs) i uh i feel like i've been getting the hair thing my entire time on youtube but the thing that i get more than anything now is you look and sound like Jimmy Kimmel. I get that comment three times a day, and I have been for years. No, so you yeah. have more of a, a raspy voice than Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. Every time I call you, you're like, yo, buddy, what's up? <laughs> yo, buddy, what's going on in your shop? Hey. Uh, have I showed you the fifth way I can do a dovetail now? Super cool. The, uh... Every so I've I've been a business owner since I was fourteen. I've had employees since I was nineteen, and every company I've ever had, there's always a Jonathan impression that goes on behind my back, and it's mm-hmm. like hilarious. Uh, and and I'll like Christmas parties and stuff. Be like, all right, who can do the best Jonathan? You know, and we'll give away a prize. the The crowd will vote. Um, it's it's always pretty good. 
my girlfriend always goes, what's up, brother? What's up, brother? What's up, brother? Mm. That's right. Will you always answer the phone the same way? If I call you, you always answer, yo, buddy. <laughs> and so my thing now is when I try and wait for him to pick up and I try and slide it in there before you can say it. So as soon as I hear you pick up, I go, yo, buddy. And then it's almost like it takes a second because you don't know what to do because you didn't start it at the beginning yet. Those are most his rhythm. It basically, it causes, I have to reboot the system when you do that to me. <laughs> the other thing you were doing at Workbench Con that apparently I do, I didn't even know, is I cheers every drink. <laughs> you do. So at Workbench Con, everybody. Even when you're not around. And we cheers. Like, if we were pouring a drink, me and Craig with people, I always raise my glass and I'm like, to J-Cats. Because nobody cheers is more than you do. Every time we went out to dinner anywhere, even if we, like, went to the fridge and got a liquid death, just water, you always wanted to cheers. Everything was cheersed. Life is good. I appreciate it. I love that for you. Yeah, Listen, I'm a happy day. guy. I like to salute. I like to salute to, uh, salute life. Mm-hmm. I like it. Right, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> So what uh, what's new? So, what's in the shop? What what do you got going on this month? Okay, so I have some of the coolest stuff coming out that I'm really excited about. Building a benchtop router table. So cool about this is <laughs> right on cue. He says this is what's so cool about it, and his audio cuts it's... out. Are you there? <laughs> the funny thing is, is, he probably can't tell that he's frozen. <laughs> no. <laughs> And he's frozen in a way with the video. It looks like he's picking, he's his, picking nose. his nose. There, oh. I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a slight uh, technical difficulty, so stick with us here. So, cheers. Ooh. To Jonathan. <laughs> well, Keith, what's going on in your shop? Well, Jason, should we just get right into what I f***ed up this week? Yeah. Here is what I... <laughs> oh, shit. Up this week. Well, so I've been working on these giant desk legs that are round and basically have a tambour wrap all the way around. So like 38 glued strips to the back of fabric and then a wrap in the leg around. So, you know, after discussing this on our last podcast, you're like, you know, I didn't cut. I did the math, but, you know, I didn't cut my actual circle until I had my whole tambour strip done. And then I cut my my leg to fit that. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know what? That's a damn good idea. So I waited and I got all my strips glued up. And if you recall, it took like a half a gallon of glue. That canvas just soaks it up something wicked. Yeah. So I got everything glued up, clamped, got it out of there. And I wrapped it around. I'm like, you know what? This is, um, I need to make my template just a little bit smaller, like an eighth of an inch. I forget what it actually worked out circumference wise or diameter wise. It was probably a 16th diameter shrinkage that I needed to make it. So made all my temp made my template, cut all my rings. I have five rings, four rings going up, and then all my vertical partitions for support. So I had to do two legs like that. Got that all done and I wrap my thing around and it's and still it fit short. Perfect. It's oh. Still short. So I'm like, how the f heck did this happen? And then it just started to the wheel started turning. I think the number one this it was sat there over workbench gone. But I think that when I had checked the measurement, there was still a lot of moisture in there from all that glue. And then over four days or whatever we were gone, it kind of dissipated and dried up and that thing shrunk just a little bit. So. Oh, cause that makes sense. Yeah. 
So at that point, I'm like, all right, so now I have to, I mean, I probably could have got it to fit by wrapping the band clamps around, but I didn't want to stretch that thing and then glue it under tension. I was just afraid, yeah. you know, it's not going to get any bigger. It's not, I don't, well, it may expand a little. It's not going to get any smaller. I don't think it may get small. I don't even. So what I did was I had to, I don't, I don't know what it's going to do. It's like the conversation I had with my wife on our honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might get, it might get a little. That's not gonna. I don't know. I just don't know. I, I don't know. It's just because it's what you're stuck with. For better or for worse. <laughs> so I had to cut a strip off, and then make a bigger strip to fit in that wider gap. So that wasn't that big of a deal. But on the second leg, where there's going to be an access panel, what I did screw up was, and I, I say this to myself every time when I know, I'm like, all right, you can't forget to do that. I should write that down. <laughs> Because yeah. it always comes back to bite me. And I had cut all these tambour strips a little bit longer, so they were taller than my base, so I was going to be able to trim them to, to, the, to the right height. And I said, do not trim that one until you cut your access panel, because when you cut it, it's going to take the width or the kerf of the blade out of it and make it shorter, mm -hmm. that access panel. And then there's going to be a bigger gap there. Well, true to form, I trim that thing perfect size, height, and then I'm like, Oh, now I have to yeah. cut this. I have to cut this um, axis panel, and it's going to leave the width of the saw blade. So, you know, the Vestal track saw is like three thirty seconds kerf, maybe a little bit less. Yeah. Um. So I cut that yesterday, and today I've been working on like the backing for this axis panel door. There's going to be magnets, and I'm yeah. I saw your to open things. That thing looks crazy. It looks like a cool solution to it, though. I think. I wanted to do just magnets, but if you do that, then you need some kind of you need some kind of finger pull to open it. Um, so I ordered some of those push to open, like for cabinet doors. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So I think uh, it's still going to be magnet. I, I don't. I don't know, dude. I'm, that's tomorrow's project to figure that out. Um, but this is one of two access doors, right? Don't you have to do another one in like the bigger leg? Yeah, on the other, like, oblong or oval-type leg. So, yes, that is cut out. That one I did correctly. I cut it yeah, out okay. correctly. Did you do that one uh, first or second? First. But, it, you know, that was in, yeah. I, that, at that time, I cut it when I was thinking about first it. First time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but, uh, and uh, the good thing is that one leg that doesn't have the access panel, the round timbre one, is done. Just needs one more coat of finish, but it's done. I had all the... The uh, leg levelers recessed in the bottom. That took a while. So once these legs are done, then I can get back to the tops. And mm. I got the um, the recessed, uh, what are they, like power strips that are going to go on the top. Oh, yeah. Doug Mocket. You know, it's got like two outlets and a USB and a USB-C in there. But she wants these not only recessed in the desktop, but recessed down so then I could cover them with a piece of walnut. So you don't even see them until you like lift off the access panel. So it's just more access panels and more time. I mean, it's going to be cool, I guess, but the grain isn't going to match. It's like impossible to route that out and not have a huge gap around it. You know, it's a big slab. Well, let's think about that for a second. All right. Is there a way to do that? Well, I was talking to my coffee today, and it's like if I used a 16th bit, like all the way around with the shaper, but that won't go that deep. Like I'm going to have to go. Well, yeah, and you'd have to cut all the way through the slab. Right. Hmm. Well, no, I don't have to cut all the way through. Oh, I do. Well, you yeah, would, because how would you separate it from the rest of the slab to get that grain? I mean, you wouldn't need that much material, but you would have to cut all the way through to get it. Yeah. 
Yep. I know. Interesting. I mean, hmm. yeah. It just seems like there would be, oh, here's how you do it. Okay. All right. You map out on the bottom of the slab mm-hmm. the exact dimension of the thing, and then you mortise the bottom of the slab with, I don't know, by hand or forging or bits and get rid of most of the material, leaving like a quarter of an inch or however thick you need on the top of the slab, and then you cut it from the bottom, remove the material. Would that work? But then go to the top and cut a 16th all the way around, and then that's going to leave me yeah my access panel with a si- Dude, I like that idea. It's just... A lot of work. Alignment. Yeah. You like know, figuring fun, out. I, I, there's going to have to be some kind of finger pull. Like I was going to do it with magnets and like take a magnet key to lift it off. But Jesus, I mean, if I just create a little bit of a kind of a half moon finger pull, mm-hmm. I can use mm-hmm. that as the registration. Com- some, I, I, That's a great idea, dude. Yeah. Because com- if it's, you know, somewhat ugly from the bottom, that's not going to be as big of a deal. Just trying to think of a way that you could separate that grain match on the top of the slab, I feel like that's the only way you could do it. The only problem is I don't know if I can get that 16th bit with the shaper to, it, it's still going to have to plunge like an inch and a half all the way through if I come through. Oh, oh no, no, no. I, we just said no, 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 no. the top. This is what but, I would do. I was, I would cut your 16th of an inch first. on the top first. Yeah. And then you just have to find it from the bottom. And if you're a little bit too far... <laughs> You know, <laughs> if you mess it up a little bit, who cares? Yep. Yeah, because I'm going to have to patch in anyway because, uh, yeah. No, that's yeah. a great idea. Yeah, so cut your I'm gonna write that down. inch thing on the top, then mortise it all out on the bottom until you find it and it comes loose, and then you get your piece, and then just fill the bottom back in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With whatever. Oh, uh, great. Now I got to give you credit for that in the video. What the? I'm going to say I came up with it. No, all right. Well, let's I want to thank John for being on the show. <laughs> yeah, let's pause for a brief second. Let's see if we can get right. him back on here. I'm going to try and uh, contact him. This may or may not wind up in the um, podcast, but let's see what's going on. Maybe. Hey, there he is. Oh, there he is. Wow, and he's looking crisper than ever. Or anything, but we're working on that. Dude, you combed your hair too, even better, didn't you? This was a wow. really a... Here's the big question. Did you stop your audio recording and all that? I never stopped. Oh, Perfect. So you'll hear me panicking and running around the shop like a lunatic. That's fine. It'll line oh, that's up awesome. better that way. Yeah, it'll line up everything perfectly. Dude, iHeartRadio, there's no way they're not going to sign us now. Oh, I know. <laughs> I just love that at the beginning of this, Jonathan was making fun of our professionalism. Right. Putting <laughs> <laughs> it together, man. I'm back, okay. baby. Look at that. Jonathan is back with us now. So while you were gone, me and Keith were discussing a problem he was having with some tambour tables he made because... You cut out in the middle of right when I asked you, what do you have going on this month? So now that you're back, <laughs> hopefully your internet doesn't die. What's going on this month? <laughs> um, I got real excited too, and it took me about three minutes before I even realized I was frozen. I was just off we, to the races. We figured that's probably what happened. Um, so I'm building a benchtop router table for Tamar's router jit. Mm. Uh, and what's so cool about this is... It attaches to the same holes that the handles attach. So you can go from a handheld router to a router table in two bolts and 30 seconds. Um, wow. Really cool thing. We'll have plans and all that and uh, templates. But what's going to be real cool about it, I think, is like we've got all this like storage built into it. It's going to be really neat. And I'm also working on a sharpening video. So I bought this testing device that tests how sharp something is. How uh, is that? So it's a scale and it's it has a small kid wire. Scratch. 
<laughs> it's like, it's ow, stab, really sharp. Uh, <laughs> just poke people with it. <laughs> how many death row inmates would you like? On a scale of one to ten, how bad does that hurt? Now, that must be the sharpest. Well, that's uh, that's an artery. Um, it's a wire. So it's a wire that goes across this little thing and sits on a scale and you use this little cantilever device and you like press down slowly until the wire cuts and then it measures the highest grams of pressure. And so you can like a razor blade. So the, the higher the number, the more dull your thing is. So a razor blade is about 117 grams to cut this wire and like a really sharp plane blade or chisels about 175 to 225. And then a butter knife, which we test is about 2,500 grams. Oh, wow. Mm. And I think that was just it. The wire just gave up on me. And So just, do you want your chisel sharper than a razor blade? I don't know that it's possible. Yeah, because that it seems, seems pretty sharp. Yeah, it seems also the thicker something gets, the harder it is to get it sharper, right? And the more yeah, brittle it gets. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, I think that's the right statement, Keith, is like when something gets so thin that, you know, the edge is just going to fold over quickly. I mean, I think razor blades dull, obviously, faster than a plain blade or a chisel yeah. uh, for that. I know reason. that, like, when I use my Veritas chisels to, like, pull a nail or a screw out of a piece of wood, they get little chunks in the end of them all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I never seem to cut as well after opening a paint can. No. Because I use um, the Gillette 5. It's got like five blades in it. I always thought, what if you incorporated that into a like a low jack plane? Like if I had five blades stacked right behind each other, it's almost like that thing would never dull. It would just be the sharpest thing ever. I'd be peeling off shavings so thin you wouldn't even see them. Well, it seems like it'd get dull in progression. Like the first blade oh, would always be right. the dullest. Because you know, and- like... Pop culture has taught us one thing. It's the first cuts the deepest, <laughs> you know, you know, true. that's actually a good woodworking tip that I teach in my dovetail videos is I have a set of like, I don't call them beater chisels because they're nicer chisels. Stanley 750s. Uh, that was like the first set of chisels and I'll bang away and clear a lot of waste with those. And then when I get right down to the line, I'll go to my really nice chisels that are really sharp and then Your they get brutal. Yeah. My buck pros, the Home Depot <laughs> special actually. Mm. This is not in any way sponsored, but these... Have you ever used a blue spruce chisel? Not yet, but uh, Paul at Copper Pig has a bunch. He said they're they're wonderful. Not only are they like the nicest chisels I've ever used, but they come as sharp as you can possibly imagine. Like they lap the backs and everything. And, you know, I'm looking at this. I can... It's like a perfect mirror I can see myself. And uh, I got to say, these are pretty f- nice. And I got them with ebony handles, so they're... They're pretty I have crazy. those, um, yeah, I have the Veritas, what is it, PMV11? PMV11. Yeah, yeah, oh. I have those. And they're really nice. They're crazy sharp right out of the box. The one thing I don't like about them is the sides of the chisel are so insanely sharp. I cut yeah. myself on them all the time when I first had them. I actually had to take sandpaper and hit the edge of the, like, the sides of the chisel so that I wouldn't cut my fingers open just, you know, holding the chisel on the sides. Yeah. Yeah, they're like mortising chisels. Those are supposed yeah. to be sharp on the edges, but yeah, your regular bench chisels, it becomes a safety thing. It's well, I mean, but you really want that edge very thin, especially for things like dovetails, because if you don't, you bruise the corners right inside, like right at that, mm-hmm. where the corners of the two pieces meet. So I agree with you. They are sharp. In fact, these blue spruce ones and my Narex ones, which are my other chisels I love so much, uh, the, the Richter ones, the cryo, mm. whatever. 
I really love those. Uh, but they are also, I cut myself on the side sometimes too. And I've had to take down the edges of the first like inch towards the handle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so do you cool. think those, um, have you compared those blue spruce to the PMV 11 is just like, just as sharp. You can get them sharp, but like maybe the edge retention isn't quite as good as the PMV 11s. So, so, so that's, I saw a video by uh, a, a guy. So the reason we're doing this chisel sharpening video is I saw a video by a guy named uh, Suman, real nice guy who's at WorkbenchCon. Yeah. He used the same testing device, and his theory was that stropping is not good, mm -hmm. that the edge retention. But I don't agree with him, I don't think. I've been doing some testing. We've had, been having some talks. And so what I wanted, what my video is going to be about is like what sharpening system is the fastest. So that's going to be... Um, Diamond plates, water stones, um, scary shard, and like the sandpaper. Yeah, have you used those? Yeah, that's what I use. I use the shaft and ceramic stones. Oh my gosh, it, bougie. Uh, you're not gonna they're not that bougie. I mean, they're like 70 bucks a pop. I mean, I mean, you don't have to soak Keith, them. You know? Keith is a pretty bougie guy, though. I mean, that's how I describe him. Listen, I, I can uh, relate to that. But here's uh, the thing. The funny thing is I have it all, but I sharpen once a year, so it really doesn't. They don't even use them. Well, my thing about sharpening, and I try and hammer this home because I feel like beginners freak out about sharpening. It's like, listen, don't do your main bevel. Just get them out of the box, flap the back, the first inch. That's all you need to do. Um, and just do a 30-degree micro bevel and get to work. Like, it's not that big a deal. Um, yeah. And Scrape some glue already. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it should. I, I think it should take you 30 seconds to sharpen a chisel. And, you know, guys, they start, they get them out of the box and they're grinding their micro bevel for an hour and then it's not square, you know, all these things. It's like, man, mm. just, just hit it with a micro bevel. Uh, the only time you would ever like really have to take a lot of material off, obviously, is if you get a chip. Um, right. But like, and I strop, once I sharpen it, I strop for like the next year, you know. Um, and I've got uh, a buffing wheel on my slow speed grinder and I just put polishing compound in there and I hit it three times. I go one. Yeah, for those of the our listeners that are like, what the f is stropping? Give a brief definition. So stropping is taking a compound. It's like a, not quite a liquid. It's like a paste and it's got a grit in it. And it's, you know, equivalent to like 30,000 or 60,000 grit. Sometimes it's called honing compound. And toothpaste. you put it on a piece of leather. Yeah, like toothpaste. Exactly like toothpaste. You put it on leather. You don't want to put too much. Just like a couple little squiggles, like every third time you sharpen. Just like like back and forth a few times. Um, And then you just rub your on this leather and you want it to be pretty hard the leather you don't want it to be soft otherwise it's like a sponge it'll bend and round over your edge so you want to be does it get harder leather. does it get harder the more you rub it mm -hmm. yeah the more you play with it it gets yeah. harder and then it just breaks down and turns to liquid unfortunately okay. now this is hard. genuine horse butt leather for those of you wondering that's that's the best horse stuff. butt leather yeah okay yeah that's how we're doing our sharpening test we're just going after live horses and yeah, uh, perfect. <laughs> Trying not to get kicked in the f But you're going to show all of this in your video. Yes, and we're going to talk all about it. But the reason you strop is a stone just is not going to get it sharp. And you need to, like, I mean, it'll get it fine. It'll, it, it's, it'll be good enough on a stone. But if you want to get that, like, shaved paper, shave your arm hair sharpness, I feel like you have to strop. Or a Shapton has that 16,000 and that 30,000, 32,000. Yeah. That's, like, ridiculous. I used one of those. We had a knife sharpener come by here the other day, uh, helped me sharpen a bunch of marking knives. And his setup in his van was so cool. <laughs> In this van, I'll bet no yeah. windows. Nice shack. Yeah, I was in the back. It was, it was Uncle Uncle 
Tickle Van was the name of the side. Jeez. Free candy. Well, that's cool. I'd actually look forward to that video because that's one thing I just don't know a ton about is sharpening. I dropped one of my chisels. I want to say it's the half inch. Uh, I rolled off my workbench and it got a little ding in it. And I did my best to, you know, grind and sharpen it past the ding and get it back to where it was. And it's still pretty sharp, but I did struggle, especially with getting it square again. So I'm curious to watch the video. Yeah, it's uh, an interesting thing. And I don't even know that... Like, people, for, you know, they really panic about it being square. And I don't know that you, like, I mean, yeah, you want it to be square, but, like, if you're off a couple degrees, it's fine because you think about it when you go down, it's like when you hit it with a hammer, you're always, if you're, like, chopping out a mortise, for example. One, it doesn't matter what looks like under there. And two, mm. you're always going to be deeper than your tenon. So, you know, yep. I feel like the when someone's learning to sharpen, their skills as a woodworker doesn't need the ultimate square chisel. Yeah, no, I will say it is definitely not square. It's just, I mean, it's as square as I could get it to look with my eyeball. It's definitely not square, but I haven't been like, oh, this is a pain to use. It's still sharp and works fine. Mm -hmm. Do you have, yeah, have you... The only way I've ever sharpened my chisels is with the um, the Whetstones. I don't know the brand name, but the, um, I bought them at Lee Nielsen. And they're the kind you don't have to keep stored in water. You just spritz them with water before you use them. And uh, the honing jig, the Lee Nielsen. Uh, yeah, that's the best uh, honing jig. Yeah, that's all I've ever used to sharpen them. So I've never dropped before but maybe i will after your video and i've never been like man these chisels are dull they always seem pretty flipping sharp to me so i'm curious if i could get them sharper if i would notice a huge difference or if i'm gonna be like i this think you would but no one needs chisels this sharp <laughs> do you drop case yes uh i do that's all I do you both right? and i find a lot of people because i do you know, not all... <laughs> <laughs> nautilus of course um is as you're you know you could be pairing or or chopping some mortises and just rather than sharpening in between like Jonathan's saying is just stropping in between keeps you sharp um it just like basically touches that that edge back up real quick and I think I think a lot of people do that with their turning tools right with their gouges and everything they just strop them to to keep that edge while they're turning rather than because to sharpen those tools sometimes takes quite a bit on well, like a lot of jig stuff like i i have a tormach too which i use mm. uh for quickly regrinding a bevel um i really like it it's real easy to use and uh those those guys usually use a slow speed grinder i saw william ing one time here's a pencil from his start he he's like got this school in anaheim <laughs> i went to and he was like watch this i can sharpen a turning tool in 10 seconds and he had this slow speed grinder and what they watch for is the sparks to come over the top that is like when you have a burr um because before you get a burr they go underneath the tool and he, they like go over the top and he like just like went like beep, and did it and then could cut paper it was like coolest thing i've ever seen pretty huh. impressive wow. um but yeah a lot of times those guys will have like a buffing wheel like i have too near the lathe and they'll have it running and they'll be turning and then they just go like strop it real quick and go back to turning very interesting i don't use my lathe very often uh the thing that's still chalked up in my lathe is the last thing keith was working on when he was there building the <laughs> shuffleboard yeah. table i'm not done with that yet so don't take it no, off no i don't, don't want to take it, it. Off. i don't want to mess it up <laughs> i still have some I ideas just, when i got the lathe i was doing client work and i used it quite a bit for client pieces to like turn legs and i enjoy using it a lot but then when i started doing youtube i noticed turning videos are so boring. turns people off <laughs> it turns people off so i just haven't really 
incorporated it into content because I don't think it's that fun to watch. I mean, it's fun to watch. Like, do you guys follow Steve the Wood Turner on Instagram at all? What is he? He's a real, he's a Wood Turner and he, he is oh. probably the best Turner I've ever seen in my life. That's not saying a lot because I don't know that much about turning, but he does these um like challenges, like turning like tiny things. He's got one. Like out of a pencil he... lead? Does he do those little like Yeah, yeah, yeah that's him. Yes, that's I have him. seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's him. And he only uses the, um, what's it called? Okay. Not the gas. It's not a gouge. I know. You know, it's just like the straight knife, basically. The scraper. Yeah. I don't um, know what it's called. It's not that. It's the skew. Mm, shows you we're all turners. Anyways. It's the skew. Um, That's all he uses, that one tool. Hello, it's the skew. And he's so confident on the lathe, he's like taking stuff off the lathe and putting it back on without even turning the lathe off. And it's nuts, man. That guy's crazy. Definitely. I don't own a lathe. He's a good follow. Are you I've looking it up, Keith, fan. what it's called? It's the skew. I was, um, I was actually just responding to Derek. From Walden texted me and said, it's the best day because you started following him. Oh, me? <laughs> yep. I can't you believe made, I wasn't. Derek said, I can't <laughs> believe I wasn't following him. We talked a lot at WorkbenchCon. I got to say, let's just pause and say Derek from Walden is He's the best. just the nicest, coolest person ever. I want to him when I grow up. Super friendly. And I am surprised I wasn't following him. So sorry, Derek. I apologize. Yeah, he's, he's got a full beer and go to his barbecue. Yeah, I know. Well, did you, did I tell you how he invited me to his barbecue? Yeah, yeah, because I canceled, so it opened up yeah, like, for you. Like, hey, I invited Keith to this barbecue, um, but he said he couldn't go. So because he can't go, um, you could come if you want. <laughs> That's how he said it. Got the, the pity invite. I was totally going to go. I had uh, Craig and Jeff with me, but, man, by the end of the weekend, we were Ugh. so flipping exhausted, and we just wanted to watch the F1 race. Yeah, we were... We went out for dinner with like a group of people and uh, it was like eight o'clock and they're like, all right, you guys want to go to Buffalo Wild Wings and watch a UFC fight? And I was like, that's it. I quit. I'm out. I'm too tired for this. And then Steve Ramsey was like, oh, thank God. I didn't want to be rude and be the first person to leave. I'm glad it was good. I'll follow you. I told myself I was going to go to bed early uh, this year. <laughs> I didn't go to bed before 3.30 a single night. Nope. I got 12 hours of sleep in three days. Yeah. That's about usual. But that's what I expect. I expect going there. That's what That's what I mean. I don't know how you guys would drink to it. I just, I don't get it. I guess you sleep in a little later, but man, I don't that's think a I lot. in that much. What time were you waking up? Like seven or eight. Yeah. I mean, I got, like I said, I go to bed at four. Um, you know, I wasn't waking seven up. Seven or eight. I was usually, I would get down to the conference by 10 o'clock at the latest. I was waking up at like 9. Right after breakfast. Yeah, going to yeah, bed. But I, I didn't eat breakfast the entire time. I'm just not a breakfast eater. Yeah, you're not a, you're not a lunch gun either. No. That's how you maintain that bed by... masculine physique. Mm -hmm. You have to. You were in bed by what? <laughs> Midnight? 1 o'clock? Midnight, every night. One, I think 11 or 12 every night. I, yeah, that's uh, late for you. That's so late for me. But in fairness, I'm three hours behind. So that's yeah. like actually 9 o'clock for me where I live. So only slightly really early. early. Time. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. I, I'm in bed by, I'm asleep by 9 o'clock every night normally. Good for you. But you wake up really early too, right? Yeah, I'm like 3 or 4 a.m. 3 or 4 a.m. That's crazy. I go to bed by so, one o'clock every night, and then I usually wake up at five thirty. Fair. I'm a I'm a single dad of a young daughter, and so it started when she was a baby. Um, I needed to be able to like work more than the time that daycare was open. I needed to create hours that didn't exist, and so I would just when I put her to bed, I'd go to bed, and then that gave me a few hours in the morning before she woke up to like answer emails mm -hmm. and do computer work, and then I just liked it so much that I kept it going because my phone 
rings. I get 500 emails or messages a day. My phone rings a hundred times a day. I get hundred texts. And so like between 96 phone calls are me. So I know Jason and I Any... were on a two week streak where we talked every day. It was great. Hey buddy. Yo buddy. <laughs> Yo buddy. Oh, yeah. You know, I just saw this video on Instagram and it was a, a neurobiologist and she was talking about sleep and healthy sleep patterns. And she was saying, and I've started doing this over the last couple of weeks and I have to say it makes a huge difference. She was saying that the worst thing that you can do when you're sleeping is if you wake up and you hit the snooze button um, or like when your alarm goes off or if you naturally wake up and then you roll over and go back to sleep. Because she said what happens is when you naturally wake up or when the alarm goes off, it brings you out of a sleep cycle. And she says if you hit the snooze button and you just roll over and go back to sleep, you re-enter another sleep cycle. And the problem is sleep cycles take 75 to 90 minutes minimum to complete. And so if you hit the snooze button for another 15 minutes, you've re-entered a sleep cycle, and then you wake yourself up in the middle of an uncompleted sleep cycle, and that's when you feel like horrible and groggy and you just don't feel good. So she said the best thing you can do is if you naturally wake up, your alarm goes off, just immediately get out of bed. And so I started doing that a couple weeks ago. I pretty much consistently wake up at 5.30 every morning. I just get out of bed. I feel great. It's really worked. Makes a big difference. It's also scientifically proven that people who don't get enough sleep die way earlier. Oh, I'm going to die young. I've become (laughs) terms with that. I mean, I go to bed at 1 and I wake up at 5.30. It's, what, four and a half hours? That's fine. Depends what you need. Some people don't need as Yeah, look at Da Vinci. Like every every three hours, it's a 15-minute nap. (laughs) I woke up in the East River (laughs) in a sack. In a sack. (laughs) Johnny, some guy dropped dead on top of me. No, it's not. Sorry, sometimes me and Keith just start speaking in Seinfeld quotes. I love it. Other than those sharpening videos that you got coming out, you were telling me and Keith at WorkbenchCon that March is, correct me if I'm wrong, Disabled Awareness Month? Is that another? Yeah, baby. That uh, sorry. Yes, that's correct. Sorry, I wasn't yeah, excited about disabilities. I was excited that you remembered that I got it. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. We so we released this mallet on Sunday. I guess when this podcast comes out two weeks ago. Um, and we committed to giving away a million dollars through my foundation. Uh, we in the last year raised a quarter million dollars. We've and your foundation it. is, if people don't know, the Cats Moses Woodworkers with Disabilities Fund. Okay. Uh, and basically what we do is we get tools and resources to people who need them most. Everybody knows, everyone listening to this, that making things is like, when you finish something, it's the greatest feeling. The process is the greatest feeling. And it's proven to not only like increase recovery time, but like self-confidence, uh, you know, it's people, helps people make money, you know, through their side hustle or their business. Uh, and it gives you like a, such a feeling of satisfaction that it really helps people get better, faster, helps people with PTSD, veterans. Uh, mental disorders. We work with anybody that has an ADA recognized disability. Uh, and we, you know, I've just wrote a check for a CNC yesterday. Uh, we're buying people tools. We're giving them tons of stuff, uh, to help them. And then the coolest part is we've created this autonomous application system. So recipients can apply, but also volunteers. One of the biggest problems is, you know, you send a guy in a wheelchair or somebody who's got MS and they don't have any grip strength, uh, an avid CNC, they can't put it together. Mm. So we've, we've created like a database of people all over the world who can help people all over the world when they get stuff, help them set up their shop, take stuff out of a truck, you know, whatever. And so we've really created this kind of community 
uh, that brings people who want to help together with people who need help. And awesome. really cool. We're raising a ton of money. We're doing a lot of good stuff. Like every single thing you donate goes to recipients. Um, and it's it's really incredible what we're doing. I, I'm so excited. It's it's like the thing I'm kind of most passionate about besides designing tools these days. Uh, it, it's really really fun. It's really rewarding work. Very very cool. Awesome man. Was there any like specific needs that you guys have at the moment, or any way like people listening can be helping out? Yeah, so if you head over without having to look for the links, it's really easy to find. You go over to our website, kmtools.com, and you go to the About section, it says our charity. It has tons of info there. I mean, number one, we need money. Um, we're really good at deploying it. It's super helpful, but we also need volunteers. If you don't have any disposable income you want to give, uh, you can sign up to be a volunteer. Um, one of the coolest things I think about making, and you guys can agree, uh, you know, coming four days after WorkbenchCon, is the community. And mm. so like a lot of times people, you know, I was in a wheelchair for a year and a half when I was 12 and it was one of the darker times in my life. I was so, uh, I didn't want people to see me. I didn't want to go outside. I felt really like, like I burden on everybody. And when you meet people in your community, like to make things, it's like that goes away. You know, you hear from these people in chairs or people with severe PTSD. It's like, you know, I can't be around large groups of men because of something that happened to me in, in the Iraq war. Uh, but when I'm making things, it's like all that goes away. I feel myself again. And it's such like a beautiful thing to hear. Yeah. And so like when you connect people like this, it's like suddenly somebody who wasn't privy to their local woodworking club or group meetups. It's like suddenly they, they hear about these things and like gets these people out of the house and gives them a, a sense of community you know, whether it's online or in person. And so, you know, being a volunteer is a really rewarding thing. Um, we uh, have this thing called Project Build Up right now. So if you're a large content creator, uh, we're connecting large content creators with people and they make something for them. Like we have all these plans on our website that help people like a low workbench. So it's it's lower to the ground. Uh, it's easier to use if you have tough time lifting stuff or uh, you know, you're in a chair, we have a gantry crane. And if you build the gantry crane, I will buy you the motorized lift for it. So just reach out to us if you want to build that. If when we donate it, we will also supply the motorized lift for it. They're like 250 bucks. Um, they'll lift two tons or something like that, or a ton. I think the gantry crane's rated for a thousand pounds. And, uh, what else is on there? Oh, uh, like a Moxon vice, like you all see it in all my videos, except it's a one-handed moxin vice. So we designed it to be able to be used with one hand. So if somebody may be missing a hand or, you know, has had a stroke and their arm doesn't work. But there's lots of ways to get involved. If anybody knows Rob Cosman, tell him I'd love to talk mm -hmm. to him. Because I think our charities, he has the Purple Heart Project, which I really am in awe of. Uh, and I think we'd be great. Collaborate well on something. Very cool, man. Yeah, that's awesome. I think what is something we all take for granted, obviously, is our health. And it's not until you've experienced something where you lose that for a little bit that you start to realize that, like, there's people who live with this every day. Mm -hmm. And they really, because of that, can sometimes get the short end of the stick in society because it's like, you know, I think people are intimidated and, and to approach them and things like that. But uh, making, like, gets rid of all of that. It's like, yeah. it brings people together and it's so fun. And, you know, it's like a common ground that we all had. My parents thought for whatever reason I was being very ungrateful. And um, they tied a blindfold around my head and they made me be blind for like six days. Uh-huh. No, I'm just joking. It wasn't six days. It was like six hours, I think, that I had to be blind. I couldn't 
like take the blindfold off. I had to do everything blind. And I mean, I get why they did it. Cause after that, I definitely realized like, man, very grateful to have sight. And my brother had a similar thing where they made him, um, I think they tied both of his legs together and made him drag himself around. But I don't know. We just, you were absolutely right. We take our health for granted and we just don't realize how good we have it. Mm -hmm. I uh, used to have a friend who was a hospice nurse and she told me, she said, you know, everyone's number one regret is they didn't take advantage of their health while they had it. Um, you know, it's like I spent too much time watching Netflix or, you know, sitting on the couch. I didn't, I wish I had done more stuff. And I think uh, it's important to remember that making things is something we all have that is like so cool. And so, you know, get out in the shop this weekend instead of watching football or whatever and do some not no shade to football i guess sorry that was the first thing i thought of but we can watch the f1 race right that yeah yeah we can watch that okay all right yeah no but like not only like get out in the shop and build something or use your health while you have it i feel like those of us that are blessed with health we do have an obligation and a responsibility to use part of that health to help people that don't so it's really cool that you've created this foundation that gives people the ability to you know have a have a way to do that so kudos to you man Thank you. And uh, just to, in closing on that, I think that there's no greater feeling than doing something for somebody and expecting nothing in return and knowing that, that what you did is, is going to make a lasting impact on their life. And I think that's just the best part about getting involved with this charity or another one, you know, uh, something that is of your interest is just like, it really makes you feel great to, mm -hmm. to do, to use, I, my dad used to always say, do well by doing good. It, it, what he meant by that was like being successful means sharing the spoils, whether that's your health or, you know, whatever it is, money, time, those things. It's like to be truly successful and feel complete in life. I think that, you know, doing something for others is, is a great part of that. Yeah. Very cool. Amen. Well, what else is going on? What was uh, that? The, uh, the overall vibe from WorkbenchCon, you guys think? Ooh, yeah. Different awesome. year, you know, I've, I've been to everyone. Everyone has their own little little feeling to it. Things were different. Uh, it was different this year. Jason and I were teaching a class. Thanks to everyone who attended. Give us uh, positive feedback. So that gave us kind of a different vibe. So I didn't, because there were actually classes I wanted to attend that were happening at the same time Jason mm -hmm. and I were teaching. I, you know, I, I really wish they would, I mean, some people probably wouldn't agree with this, but they need to start the classes earlier. They need a 9 a.m. class because 11 o'clock is just too late. Um, they got so many classes going on. There just isn't enough time for people to see everything they want to see. And there's plenty of people up that early. Yeah. I'm not usually one of them, but I would be if I, if I knew there was a class that I wanted to go to. But says the guy who doesn't drink. Right. I think, yeah, of course, I think... you would say start the classes earlier, which is yeah, funny I... because... They started everything a little bit later this year because so many people, I feel like the year before, were like, you started things too early. Too early. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. breakfast started at 8. Yeah, I think you're right. I think breakfast started at 7 last year. Yeah. Correct oh. me if I'm wrong, but like I come back from WorkbenchCon every year so fired up because I get to hear how everybody else mm. is running their business. I also feel like you are humbled by the amount of people who are excited to meet you, whose life you've you've affected in some way because of your content. Mm. Um, but like listening to like how Jason's running his business or Keith or Brad Rodriguez or, you know, uh, John Malecki or April Wilkerson, you know, it's like so interesting to hear their approach. Yeah. And so I, I, I come back like just fired up. 
and so excited to like work. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I mean, all of us are on social media, but by force of our jobs, we have to be somewhat introverted because we're we're not out there with a. It's not like we wake up and we go to an office and we interact with people every day. Most of us are in our shop by ourselves with maybe a camera person or like, you know, one or two employees. And so it's nice to have a chance to see all of these people that we know because of online, but we don't get the interaction with and just kind of like share the same struggles with them and to know that like they're having the same struggles that I'm having and get that encouragement of like, oh, I'm not alone in this. We're all kind of like in this together, whether we realize it or not. Right. And I think that, you know, Jonathan, you go to bed at midnight, but, you know, when we're up to 3.30, 4 o'clock, I just feel like like after hours when there's less people around is when people have even more courage. Or I just feel like those are the like times go to the best conversations up. happen. Oh, oh, yeah. Best stories happen. <laughs> but you got to figure, like, if you're up to 3 or 4 every night, that's an extra 12 hours of kind of networking and talking with, with other people. Um, in those days, because, you know, during the day, people are classes, they're talking to sponsors, they're doing this and that, and everybody's going their own way, doing lunch and dinner. But then that, you know, after dinner and where people really start congregating downstairs in the hotel lobby there, annoying everyone else in the hotel, is kind of when I enjoy it the most. Mm-hmm. You know, after you a few affogados and I got a little energy in me. A few. How many affogados did you have? Well, not as many as I wanted to, because Thursday, Friday night, we went over there and they were closed. And they were out of whipped cream two of the nights. They were out of my flavor one of the nights. Oof. Rough times. What's, What's an affogato? <laughs> so an affogato, the pizza place over in the battery next to the, the stadium, in there is a little gelato place. So an affogato is gelato with an espresso port on top of it, and then whipped cream and a sprinkle of cinnamon. And it's it is pretty to die for. Are you just running over to the battery at four or five times a night? Is that what I'm understanding from this conversation? They la- I milked that thing probably for four hours. I swear the first full day we were there, Keith got a coffee when he showed up from Starbucks in the, or the coffee shop in the lobby. I don't know where you got it. No, it's Starbucks street. Across the street. Yeah. You had that coffee until like two in the morning. <laughs> the same coffee. The whole Sip time. It. I don't understand uh, that. The yeah, could he turtled by the time he finished it. <laughs> it did with that. <laughs> That's so gross. Uh, what What do you guys think was your biggest takeaway Like that you learned from Workbench Cup? Mm. I had a conversation with Brad uh, Rodriguez, Fix This, Build That. Um, and I, I pump out videos a lot faster than I think a lot of other people, which is also something I learned. Like... Everyone's putting out like one, maybe two videos a week. And I'm over here like an idiot putting one out a, a week. A week? You mean a month? What? Yeah, a month. Sorry. Um, I'm putting one out a week. But one thing I learned talking to Brad is I'll put a video out, I'll post it, and then I will never think about that video again. I'm on to the next one and I'll put that one out. And then like the ones I did in the past, they're in the past. I never go back. I never revisit them. But he was telling me how he's constantly going back to old videos and changing out thumbnails and titles. And he'll see videos that did horrible when he first listed them changing out the title and thumbnail all of a sudden they'll just take off and be his most popular videos and it's like wow once i post a video it doesn't exist to me anymore it's done right. but <laughs> the thought that i can go back and like edit those titles and thumbnails after the fact and they could potentially do even better i'm definitely going to have craig do that <laughs> you know i i learned 
That was also a point of discussion during Cam and John from Lincoln Street's um, great talk on YouTube and kind of digging into your analytics and click-through rate and watching. Like, you know, he's sitting there watching it like a hawk the first hour. And if the click-through rate isn't what he wants, he changes the thumbnail, changes the title. And, like, he's like, I have a bunch of them, like, ready to go. And, like, that's fantastic. But you also have to be a really creative person to have different thumbnails. The title alone, like, not, you know, bordering on the clickbait, whatever you want to call it. Uh, is difficult to come up with those creative titles that people want to click on. That's where I struggle the most. Like, I mean, yes, I get all of it. I I've picked that up. Like, all right, this is what I need to do. It's just I can't do it. It just I've never been able to revive an old video. I've had ones revive on themselves all of a sudden, like they get a heartbeat and take off, but never seen any statistical or significant difference in changing a thumb or a title on it yet. Anyway. This is where AI comes in, Keith. That's what that's mm. for my titles. Um, I use AI to come up with like the best title. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes I change them because they're too clickbaity for me. I'm like, I can't do it. It's too much. Yeah. My my morals get in the way of this, but um, it's real good. Uh, I use Vid IQ. It's like a plugin yep. for your browser. Uh, and their AI title recommendations are great. And I've ever since I started using that, it's I've seen an uptick in general viewing. Okay. I think because uh, mine is like I went through and kind of dug through all of them. And, you know, my views kind of vary. But what doesn't seem to vary is my average view duration. It's always at like 45%. So it drops off a little like everyone's and then it just stays flat, which is great. But the problem is people aren't you know, the click-through rate isn't great. So people aren't clicking mm -hmm. on it. They're watching it once they're in there and they're staying. So I just need to get people to click more. So that's that's gotta, the battle, the struggle for me. You got to make this face. This is every... I don't put my face on there and I won't. Yeah, so. I probably would make the click-through rate go way down. You don't yeah, put yeah. <laughs> face on any of your thumbnails? No. Why? Why? Because I want to know that the guy that I see on Instagram who's so good at woodworking is going to be the guy doing the video. I have. Like, I want to say there is a there is a direct correlation that I have seen between the thumbnails without me in them and the thumbnails with me in them, and the thumbnails with me in them always do better. Mini mini hibs. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not making a snappy face. I'll tell you that right now. Well, no, it's not always <laughs> me miniature. Sometimes it's just me in there working. I mean, I do that sometimes for sure. The the classic. You know what? What is your videos that? shocked me that did so well because of a thumbnail was your bathroom vanity where you're like putting together the U drawer. Like that was mm -hmm. a thumbnail, right? Like yeah. totally, if you don't, if you've never seen a vanity drawer, you wouldn't even know what the hell you were making there, which I guess maybe is part of it. But That's that video like exploded. Yeah. I don't know if that exploded. I mean, it was like 600,000 last time. I but that wasn't one of them. I'm sure it's well over a million. If I also believe that the algorithm knows what people want to watch and it'll it'll push something to somebody enough times if they think they'll like it that they'll click on it so here's a good example when i released the stop block I, we, we spent so much time on the video promotion all that stuff we put it up and right before we published it i i uh gave a change to mark who edits all my videos and said oh can you change this and also i want this thumbnail he mailed me the thumbnail and then put the video up and i published it but neither one of us noticed that we had never put the thumbnail on the video. So it's just like yeah. some random screen grab from the video. The thing had 50,000 views in four hours, no thumbnail. And uh, I was like, all right, well, clearly the algorithm is pushing stuff to people. 
uh, if it yeah. thinks it's good. So, well, so we started a second channel uh, three weeks ago, and it's called Bourbon Bites. It's all the exact same content. We just re-edited it so that it's five minutes or less. My thought behind this was we're going to reach a different type of audience, people that want to see the project, but they don't want to sit through a 40-minute instructional video. But we're also kind of using it as a beta test of titles and thumbnails to see what works over there. Things that I don't want to risk doing on my main channel, I'm experimenting around over there. So I've yet to use a thumbnail with any words on it. They're all screen grabs. That's all it is. Because I've seen that really work for people. And the titles are definitely more on the clickbaity side, like an ambiguous title. Like I just posted one this morning and it's uh, this uh, little white oak cabinet that I built. And at the end of the video, I make the entire thing black. And so the title of the video is Real Will... Real woodworkers will hate this. Hate all capital. And it's kind of clickbaity, but at the same time, it still pertains to the video because I feel like most woodworkers hate when you take like oak and then you turn it a different color. But that video this morning has been going crazy as far as that channel goes. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it works, but it's fun to kind of experiment around with things over there. Mm. It's, cool. it's a nice little R&D channel for you. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But I'd say try doing, if you've never done a thumbnail with you in there, you don't even have to be facing the camera. Your back could be to the camera. You could be working on something. I would yeah. just try putting yourself in a thumbnail and see what happens. This one that um, that I'm doing now, actually, I already had that in mind and a thumbnail in mind. But, you know, that whole theory of create the thumbnail in your head before you even start the project. I mean... That's great and all, but sometimes nothing really clicks with me until like a mid-project, and I'm like, oh, I should have taken a picture of that when I was doing it. Well, I filmed a video you gotta today. have thought For, it'll come out this uh, weekend, but it's all about whether or not the domino joiner is worth it for the money. And I thought of the thumbnail before I really thought of the video, just because I thought it'd be a cool thumbnail. The thumbnail's just going to be me holding the domino joiner and me holding a giant bag of money. <laughs> and it's just, it's just going to say, is it worth it? And I think that's a great thumbnail, but I hardly ever come up with my thumbnails before the video. Usually it's like an hour before as you're uploading, the video right? and yeah, I'm that's like trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I never shoot a thumbnail till after the project's done. Yeah. Well, Keith, you were making fun of me cause like the miniature Jason's cause I, for the longest time, that was my thumbnail. I put like miniature me and I'd put myself on the project or somewhere in the thing. The problem was, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but I felt like that was very unique and original to my content when I first started doing it. <laughs> but now everybody has ripped that off. It's like yep. everyone's thumbnail is them shrunk down in the corner or whatever. So I've kind of started to move away from that because it's just not original anymore. Yeah, the, the imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, right? And it's like anything good that you do is going to end up getting copied over and over right. and over. Uh, it's just ripped off. Is yeah, ripped off. Yep. But, yeah. you know, everyone wants to Plus try and... forces you to, to, to get better, right? The next thing. Yeah. Yeah, you got to in keep innovating. And I think people who get copied all the time are leaders in what they do. And it's just, if they, if you're good at innovating, you're going to keep doing it. And Yeah, uh, but I'm constantly, like, if I have a video really take off i'm constantly examining those thumbnails and i'm like all right was there something different about this was that the reason 
I don't know. I'm not a smart enough person. I can't figure it out. <laughs> I know. And, you know, and Cam and John kind of backed up what I had always been thinking is like friggin' tags like mean nothing. The, any, the description yeah. means nothing. Like I don't put in uh, timestamps or chapters anymore. That does nothing. It only, it makes it like, I think when people search on Google and like, if you've ever searched something on Google and it shows up like the chapters of a video, like if it's specifically yeah. if you're looking for something, but other than that, like, but you can look at where your traffic's coming from. And it's a very small percentage for me coming from Google search. You know, it's all coming more mm. from within the app. So I get I mean, quite a bit from Google. I don't know how this happened, but if you go to Google, um, like their trend words or whatever it's called, um, mm -hmm. and you type in like what keywords are trending for woodworking, bourbon moth is in the top five. How this happened, I don't know, but it's in there. That's awesome. So, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, I do see when I look at where stuff's coming from, I do see quite a bit from Google. I don't know how that happened, but it, it's in there. Well, you got almost a million subscribers, so a lot of people are searching for you. Yeah, but there's a lot of you working accounts out there with a million plus subscribers. I don't know. Because I didn't do any effort on my part to get that in there. It's just Google decided that. I don't know. What were you going to say there, Jay Cats? I was just going to say, when you <laughs> type in Cats Moses into Google search, the first the first search term is Jonathan Cats Moses divorce. Nice. <laughs> Which is the worst settlement. <laughs> yeah. You type in uh, Jason Hibbs, or maybe it's Bourbon Moth in Google. One of the first things is um, Jason Hibbs' wife. <laughs> like people <Yeah>. are searching <laughs> for pictures. Of salary. How much so it's funny that they're searching for my wife and your divorce. <laughs> well, wife is the second one. It's like the first three terms is like Jonathan Katz Moses' divorce. What happened to Jonathan Katz Moses? Trying to find out if you're single and available. They slide right? into those DMs. You're single and ready to mingle or what? Yeah. I am not. I am. I, oh. I have a girlfriend, so. Okay. Yeah, I know. He, I heard it's about it nonstop when I was down there. It was annoying. <laughs> no, my girlfriend said this. Oh, my girl was on the phone. My girlfriend. Harley and TMZ coming in hot. Right. He clearly really likes this girl, so. um, Well, hey, we can head over to the after show here, but before we go over to the after show, I just want to take a quick second and thank some of our returning top-tier patrons. You got a whole slew of them, and we really appreciate appreciate you guys. We've got um, Paul Diabartolo. We got Bill Burkle, WTV yeah. Woodworking, Taylor Blau, Chris Hornberg, Henry Lutens, Chris Greenwood at Evolution Custom Woodworking, Aristotle Spinabifysis. Uh, we got <laughs> Callan Rutherford at the underscore Rutherford underscore co. We got Brendan Caulfield, Oliver Breedley, Jamie Majanic, Ray Rodriguez, Mike Lydon, Scott Holland, Jordan uh, at Rustic Creations. No, just at Rustic Creations. I think. I don't know. I don't see his Instagram. We got Eric Spensley at Spensley Design Co., who I met in person for the first time. It was just a delight. Eric he did a great. video for our charity. He's awesome. I love Eric. Yeah. Yeah, it's super nice guy. And actually be able to... And apparently he doesn't own pants. He just wears shorts and a sweatshirt like a high school gym teacher. I feel bad now saying that I met him at WorkbenchCon because we met a couple other <laughs> of our top You did? Yeah. yeah. Oh, hello. That's true. Yeah, you know, we've had a lot of patrons. I'm trying to remember who else. Who... I know, but now I feel bad because I don't remember... All of them. And I was going to guess on a couple, but I don't want to say it because I could be wrong. 
Um, but anyways, we met a bunch of you guys, and we really appreciate it. Uh, Alan McKeon, Alan Dranberg, Nolan Russell, Andres Wenyan. You know Rice? Where was Yono Rice? I thought he might be there this year. I don't know. He's over, you know, defending mob bosses in London still. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Nicholas Fairfields, Michael Olson, and this guy was at WorkbenchCon. Yeah. Leonard, Stated Woods Co. It was. So, big thanks to all you guys for your continued support. If you're not a patron, go sign up. Patreon.com slash shop sounds. A huge thank you to Jonathan Katzmoses for joining us on this episode. He's going to stick with us over in the after show, and we're going to answer some of your questions. And don't forget, if you haven't already, go to camtools.com. Check out all the tool selection over there. Go into that about us. Check out the charity that he's got going on. Super cool stuff. Thanks again, man. Thank yes. you for having Thanks me, guys. I really awesome. appreciate it. That's awesome. All right. And also, we should probably mention, you do have a YouTube channel. What's your YouTube? Oh, yeah. It's Jonathan Katz Moses. Oh, how about that? You can find him over there. YouTube, Instagram, and all the um, OnlyFans page, that too. Anyways. <laughs> we'll see you. And for you, I just want to say, for you Patreon listeners that uh, wanted the slides from Jason and I's talk, if you email Craig at Bourbon Moth. You know what, Keith? We will do yeah. them one better. All right. All right, sir. What if... Patrons, Ooh. we told you that we could just upload the video of our talk right onto Patreon, and you can watch it there. There's a video? Oh, I took a video of the whole thing for my patrons, because they were asking oh. for it. But my patrons, your patrons, our patrons, does it really matter? So I have the link. I will post it on Patreon. I don't know. I haven't checked the sound quality, but it was the camera's right in the front row, so it should be okay. Uh, awesome. Yeah. And if nothing else, you can look at the video and scroll through and see all the slides. So there you go. Right. And if you and you know what, I'll post a link to the slides. That way you can go. download that too. Okay. Perfect. All right, we'll see you in the after show. See ya. I love you. <laughs>